The following podcast is a production of Commercial Investment Real Estate Magazine, the official publication of CCIM Institute. For more on the latest trends, best practices, and continuing education in all areas of the industry, visit our website at ccim.com and sign up for our education e-newsletter. Support for Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast comes from Remax Commercial. The Remax Commercial Global Network can help you adapt to changing markets, evolve with new technology, and maximize your investments across all property types. Go commercial with confidence. For more information, visit www.remaxcommercial.com. Welcome to another episode of Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast. I'm Nicholas Leiter, Senior Content Editor of the magazine. In this episode, I spoke with Reed Thomas, Chief Revenue Officer and Managing Director of JTC Americas. He details the continued potential for investment and development in opportunity zones. Five years after the legislation was passed, Thomas shares why it's still an attractive opportunity for direct investment in underdeveloped and underserved communities. While continued changes could come from Washington, D.C., Thomas sees opportunity zones as a part of commercial real estate that's here to stay. Reed, thanks again for joining us on Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah. And, you know, opportunity zones are, are a bit of a political hot potato. And depending on whom, whom you ask, they have a great potential and or they could be misused. And to kind of set the stage for us, can you give us a brief summary of opportunity zones and kind of how they developed and, and how they should be used? Well, I like the way you frame that. They could be great potential or, or potentially misused. Myself, I think, in my view, this could be the solution to the biggest societal problem that the country faces um, with opportunity zones being the answer. You know, prior to 2000, the year 2000, it in general, as the economy grew, the benefits of that growth were pretty widely spread. But starting with the recovery from the recession in around 2001, and then even through the, the Great Recession slash financial crisis, um, it seems that the benefits of an economic recovery are becoming increasingly concentrated into specific geographies, and that leads to a number of disparities. Um, and what what's become clear um, with these disparities is that they're not just economic in nature. You know, the economic disparity leads to disparities in health, education. Um, we see significantly higher rates of obesity, diabetes, mental health, drug abuse, um, mental health issues, drug abuse, which ultimately all, you know, we ha- even have shorter life expectancy in the sort of distressed communities compared to, to others. It's really quite astounding. Um, and that's really been a new phenomenon, I would say, since the, since the year 2000. Um, it's never was so apparent, at least to me, um, as during the pandemic, right, where it seemed like the worst affected communities um, were the communities that the most economically distressed, right? Uh, so it's it's really quite astounding. So opportunity zones is really, I think, a solution, potential solution to, to this challenge. And so they work by really incenting the investment of private capital into these communities and needs. Um, the communities um, were identified by the individual states based on um, meeting certain economic criteria. Today, there's about 8,700 opportunity zones identified. And the idea is to encourage investment in these uh, opportunity zones 
by uh, providing investors with capital gains an incentive. And the way it works is an investor with a capital gain can benefit in three ways. They can defer the payment of the capital gain um, in terms of when it's due. Over time, the amount of taxes on the initial capital gain can be reduced. Um, Now, in fairness, that time has passed because this program has been in place since 2018. But then the big win is if the investment is successful and is held for 10 years, any gain on the original gain made in that investment is completely tax-free. So it's a big, big motivator for uh, for investors in uh, in capital gains, and it can be done in a couple ways. It's intended to be easy to do. So investors can simply set up their own qualified opportunity fund, um, and that's a relatively straightforward thing to do. Or they can invest as a limited partner, as is done in many private equity real estate deals, through a fund sponsor, um, and that's the part of the business that we are primarily focused on. With so many opportunity zones being formulated, and you said by it's a state state by state basis. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, is there is can, are there generalities as far as um, are you seeing more opportunity zones in in kind of densely populated spaces? Is it is it kind of a case by case, or how does the the demographics of the opportunity zones play out? Yeah, the vast majority of opportunities are in um, real areas of hard need. Of course, with any uh, program like this. Um, some of the census tracts chosen for opportunity zones are adjacent or nearby other um, census tracts that have been in the process of rebuilding or growing. So it's a real, really a bit of a mix of both. So initially, when the when the incentive was started, what we saw were uh, real estate projects in particular focused in those areas adjacent to relatively well-to-do census tracts. Um, and that makes sense, right? Because the program was announced without a lot of uh, lead time and getting building permits, construction permits and financing together takes some time. So the initial projects that sort of hit the scene were probably those that had been conceived some time ago. Over time, we've seen that evolve and we're seeing more and more projects increasingly be dunning, being done in places that might have been considered harder to do originally, but are still great investments and have a positive impact on the community. Yeah. And from your perspective as an investor, you know, what qualities do you look for in a potential project in an opportunity zone? You know, what what conditions do you look for, you know, from the get go? There's really two things, Um, you know, a quality investment opportunity um, has to has to have the potential to provide a good return for the investor. So at the end of the day, that's that's the fundamental thing, right? Nobody's going to invest if they don't think that they're going to get a successful return on it. The tax benefit part of the um, of the investment, the, the way the Opportunity Zone program works, um, helps for sure. But it doesn't make a bad deal a good deal, right? Um, it can sway things, but it doesn't make what would otherwise be a horrible deal into a good one. So fundamentally, the project needs to make sense and it needs to pencil. Uh, secondly, uh, you know, is the project aligned with the needs of the community? Um, because the whole spirit of this program is really about having a meaningful and positive impact. Um, and so once, if you have those two things in place, I think, I think we're in good shape from the get go. After that, it's really about whether the, the sponsors, um, the, uh, the advisors, et cetera, really have the experience uh, to actually execute and the track record, um, 
a proven track record, which will help improve the likelihood of success. So nothing out of the traditional, I would think, in terms of looking for investment opportunities here. Yeah, I guess, like you said, a, a good deal is a good deal, whether or not, um, you know, you have a tax incentive to to help you look at an area versus uh, kind of the usual areas that you're looking at. Exactly. Now, you mentioned kind of getting buy-in from the community. How important is it for investors to build that relationship? And and on a practical on the practical practical matter, you know, how do you how do you go about establishing that kind of relationship? Yeah, clearly, it's important um, in any real estate project. I would think to have a close working relationship with the community and the local leaders. And you have to go through and uh, maybe get zoning done, uh, permits in place. Um, and so on, right? So this isn't a quick thing, typically. Um, and so the better aligned that the objectives of the project are with the needs of the community, the the more likely things are to go smoothly. Um, so I think fundamentally, just like any real estate development, it's important to have that relationship. However, in terms of opportunity zones, we have to remember that the spirit of the initiative is to really help these communities in need. Um, and I, so from that standpoint, I think it brings another dimension to um, the types of projects that you might want to do and the way you think about it, putting all of the elements together. So as an example, from a practical standpoint, um, under, you know, if you're, if you're building a mixed use facility, just picking as an example, right? Um, you know, thinking through what types of tenants might add value to the community um, would be an important part, I think, of of getting the deal put together. So what, what you find in these communities and needs in these opportunity zones are that many of the services that are available to those in uh, more uh, successful communities um, just don't exist. So things like grocery stores, as an example, may not be around or anywhere close to uh, the, where the folks in these communities live. So, you know, would you, would you drive 20 miles to, to a grocery store or would you per, perhaps just stop at the local gas station to pick something up? And your, your food options in those two environments are radically different, right? And that contributes to, you know, health and obesity problems and things like that. So um, the same sort of problem exists for banking in many in many cases, you know, there's there's a lack of uh, financial institutions or places where people could get credit or loans in many of these communities, which makes it difficult because the, the local bankers don't understand the needs of the community and are perhaps less willing to lend. And all of those things kind of have a spiral effect on things. So uh, working with the community to make sure that the, uh, the some of these other elements of the real estate project, and I just gave you one example, right? Um, really, really make the difference. And then finally, I'd say just for the long-term health of the Opportunity Zone program, you know, tracking and reporting is another really important thing. You know, how many jobs were created? Were those jobs created from people local to the community? Were the suppliers uh, sought for to provide materials as local as they could be? Things like that really matter um, in the Opportunity Zone space. Yeah, and you mentioned kind of um, working with the, the neighborhood you're moving into, um, is there is there a collaboration and planning, or is it more of coming with, coming to the table with a final project or a final idea, and and kind of um, you know selling the community on, on on what you have in mind? 
Well, I think it's it's probably somewhere in the middle, right? I think most developers have an idea what they want to do. Um, they tend to focus in certain asset classes, um, and so it's it's really uh, you know in my experience, we've seen that the real estate folks have an idea of what they want to build, but really working with the community to adjust it or conform it to fit the specific needs is when you get a most successful project, I think. And as far as different sectors within commercial real estate, is there one or two that's particularly um, meshes well with the opportunity zones? Well, the biggest challenge in the in the country seems to be housing, right? So housing is where we've seen the vast majority of real estate type uh, type projects. Um, and, you know, they're they're in all all over the place. You know, I have a client here in San Jose who, uh, which is where I'm based. Um, and, you know, a lot of people would say Silicon Valley. Well, that how could that be an opportunity zone? But, you know, you pick uh, San Jose State University as an example. You know, the, the, the kids that go to that school can't, they, A, they don't have enough student housing. B, they can't afford it because the real estate here is so expensive. Um, and, and so they actually have parking lots around the university where kids are allowed to live in their cars, believe it or not. And, and so, you know, the, an opportunity zone project was to, was to work with the city to build affordable student housing, right. To, to help with things like that. Um, but there's also other projects that might be more combined business and real estate. Um, like I described, you know, there may be a retail component to it. Uh, we're seeing projects in, uh, renewable energy or agriculture even. Um, so that there's a wide, wide array of things that can be, can be done here to help, to help. Yeah. And it seems like, um, obviously opportunity zones being a little bit newer, um, you know, on the commercial real estate scene, um, it seems to be kind of a work in progress as far as how they work, where they're located. Do, do these uncertainties impact investor interest or is that just kind of some noise, you know, outside of the signal? No, it's a really good point, right? Because the, the law was passed in December of 2017 um, and came into effect at the very beginning of December uh, of January of 2018. And there were absolutely no regulations in place as to how this thing was supposed to work. Um, and so it was just legislated, right? So over the next two years, it, you know, the, uh, the IRS worked on regulations, um, that, uh, that helped guide investment, uh, and people operating or stakeholders operating in the space. So it's sort of like, I would say, Anybody in the opportunity zone industry is a little bit used to some of this uncertainty and some of the uh, the, the flux that uh, that has gone on with it. Um, and it, as as things have begotten more clear, um, investment in opportunities has continued to accelerate. Um, the growth rate um, last year doubled last year from the prior year. Uh, some estimates say as much as $100 billion has been invested into Opportunity Zones now, um, which would make it the most um, successful economic development program in this period of time in history. Um, so it doesn't seem to have an effect on, uh, on investment. Um, it does, however, affect you know how you operate in the space because I think as as you alluded to, right, the staying in compliance can be can be a thing, um, and uh, that boils down to back to what I was saying earlier. You know, really working with the with the folks in the industry who have kind of experience um, and do things in sort of the proper traditional way. Private equity real estate funds typically use third party administrators as an example 
to oversee their compliance needs, to make sure their investors are provided with transparency. These basic things, um, when applied to opportunity zones, seem to be a great way to uh, to stay up on uh, emerging compliance. Yeah, and you mentioned as far as compliance goes, are there are there common problems you see or kind of roadblocks that that pop up uh, across opportunity zone projects? Yeah, initially the program was much clearer in terms of if you were doing real estate uh, real estate projects. So that's the good news for this audience, and we've seen. Um, probably 80%, 90% of all um, opportunity zone investments are real estate. Um, so that hasn't been that much of an issue on the, on the business side and investing in operating businesses. It's been, it's been more complex. Um, and a lot of the talk now is about how to measure impact. You know, is the investment actually making a positive impact in the community? How many jobs is it creating? Those kinds of things. Um, which is sort of the latest evolution in compliance. Gotcha. And yeah, you mentioned the the bill was signed in 2017. Yeah. Among the investors, was there any sense this was coming kind of down the pike or was it really that surprising where it's kind of um, just kind of dropped and everybody had to react to it? Yeah. You know, it's funny because the uh, Opportunity Zone legislation um, has been around in various forms for 50 years. Um, and never seemed to get passed through any uh, through any government, and so this was just another iteration that had been kicking around. So I think um, you know it was a bit of a surprise to see it get pushed out so quickly as part of that tax bill at the end of 2017, and a pleasant surprise, I would say. So it's not that the concept was foreign, but I think that it was something that people just didn't expect to happen right away. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, if you look at any kind of issue at near the heart of commercial real estate, things don't happen that quickly. And yeah, speaking of of kind of Washington, there's a bipartisan bill currently, you know, working its way around. Um, in in a larger sense, do you think opportunity zones are here to stay, and that they're they're firmly a part of of commercial real estate? Gosh, I hope so. I mean, at the at the at the end of the day, the success of opportunity zones and whether they stay around forever or not will really be based on whether they're viewed to have made a positive impact in the communities that they're intended to. That'll be the key thing. And this is where it gets tricky, right? Um, the new legislation, I think, goes a long way to achieving that end. Um, you know, it, the new legislation, a um, couple things, right? It, it uh, includes or um, Includes impact reporting as a requirement. So now fund managers will be required to to provide the data needed to make the judgment or the assessment of whether the program is a success or not. Um, it also, uh, not to get too technical, but it enables one opportunity zone fund to invest in another, sort of like a fund of funds in the private equity world, which should accelerate or make it easier to accelerate investment uh, even further. So. I think the bill as it's drafted has some great things in it, which would be great for the, for the industry. The challenges, I think, are that um, ultimately the real changes that are intended to be seen because of the Opportunity Zone initiative will take decades to, to ultimately evolve. Some of the data measured um, you know, in terms of community health comes from census data, which happens once every 10 years, as an example. And the, the 
the issues that exist in these communities did not happen overnight. It happened over decades. So the kind of change that we're talking about making here is something that's going to take a long time. Um, and in the interim, what you have is a lot of naysayers in the media. You have a lot of naysayers even in Congress, which continues to surprise me. Um, and, you know, talking about how this is a program for wealthy people to avoid paying taxes, things like that. Um, and, and that's not, that's not helpful. So I think the key really is to, is to be patient and not jump to judgment, but instead to look at the early indicators, uh, of success. And from my point of view, you know, we've got a large customer base in the space, probably the largest. And so we can pretty early on see trends that are emerging across the industry. And in my view, there's many, many very encouraging signs of that. As an example, you know, we see, um, increased projects and initiatives in non-traditional markets. That wasn't happening at the very beginning of opportunity zones. We're seeing mixtures of uh, real estate and operating business projects, like I dis- described, right? Trying to solve for uh, things in, in communities that that really need jobs. I have another client who's working in um, Maine on um, restoring a, a, you know, some ski facilities and things like that. So it's a bit of a real estate. There's a real estate component in addition to just an operating business component that really helps the, uh, the community. And then I mentioned other various um, various kinds of projects and specifically housing. I think many would say you know there's a housing shortage in this country. And, um, you know, the, the key to sort of lowering housing, the price of housing would be to increase supply. So, you know, anything that stimulates housing, which is the largest uh, opportunity zone category, ought to be a good thing. Right. So um, so I think we just have to be patient enough to let these things play out. Um, and in hindsight, I think we'll look back on this and say this this might have been the greatest economic development tool ever created. Yeah. And, and I think along the lines of getting the word out of, of the actual impact, you know, not not what um, people may think could happen. Is there any could there be a concerted kind of PR campaign from um, from the players in Opportunity Zone saying, you know, this is what we are doing. These are the these are the positives of these investments. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. You know, we that that's sort of our role in the industry is providing the the back office administration. So. We're doing the back office accounting and, and uh, financial monitoring compliance. And so one of the things we do is we can derive based on those trends what the actual impact is, how many jobs are created, what's the, the income generated in the community and those kinds of things. And the industry by and large is wildly supportive of this part of the bill because they, they recognize that this is critical to its, to its long-term long-term survival. So I think that the important thing is really, you know, getting the media and even Congress to start, start to talk about it differently. You know, in my view, this is a opportunity zones are really a mashup between sort of a private equity, real estate fund, a tax incentive and an economic development program, right? It's really those three, three things blended into one. And to the extent the media only focuses focuses on the tax incentive component and doesn't focus on the other components, is is not giving the program its its uh, proper its proper highlight. Mm-hmm. Great, and I think for for my final question, you know, for our you mentioned the investment in opportunity zones going through the roof in, in recent years. Yeah. For our listeners who may not be involved too deeply with opportunity zones, you know, what potential is there for CRE professionals? 
who may be looking for new investments or you know new avenues to investment? I, I think the opportunity is massive, right? Um, there's still on the uh, on the um, the initial legislation. This program is alive and well. Um, you know, investors can still defer taxes, which can defer taxes on the capital gain that they put in to the fund. And ten years from now, they they still can um, take any profits gain on that investment completely tax free. Um, you know, they have to pay their taxes on the initial gain in 2026. Um, but that's that's the only thing. And so at the moment, there's still a long runway for folks to do very very well investing in opportunity zones. Um, and there's lots and lots of funds out there. Uh, if that's the, the way folks want to go, that could that are looking for good uh, deals, good projects, or investors themselves. And I'd encourage any of your listeners who want to learn more, maybe visit our website, um, and uh, we'd be happy to connect with them and connect them to others in the industry if if that's helpful to them. Great. Well, yeah, I appreciate the time, and and it's. Uh... It sounds like a, an exciting um, area of commercial real estate and, and one that uh, that can make money, but also, you know, do some good along the way. Yeah. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast. Head to SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Join us next month for a brand new episode of Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast, featuring another leading figure from the world of commercial real estate.